are listening to Up To Me Radio, the best in inspirational talk radio. It's up to me. to the premiere episode of Call for Caring on Purpose podcast. My name is Michelle Bolden, and I'll be your host as we journey through caregiving together. The goal of the Call for Caring on Purpose podcast is to educate, elevate, and empower caregivers during their caregiver journey. Our initial episodes will lead us to our third annual Family Caregiver Expo on Saturday, November the 20th. This year's expo will be a hybrid of in-person, outdoor venue, and and also virtual. Um, We'll provide more details at the end of our conversation. So today I'm excited for our first episode, which is entitled Inside Dementia. Through our conversation, you'll understand why we chose this name for the topic today. So we're going to talk a little bit about numbers. Um, So part of the CDC, about 80% of people with Alzheimer's disease and related dementia are receiving care in their homes. Each year, about 15 million Americans provide more than 17 billion hours of unpaid care for their family and friends with dementia-related illnesses. About two-thirds of those caregivers are women. About 34% of those are 65 and older. And a quarter of those are our sandwich generation. So those are people who are caring for their parents and also caring for their own family. So our guest today is a phenomenal organization called Second Wind Dreams that helps to educate, support families with those, with those that have dementia. So I want to welcome P.K. Bevel, the founder of Second Wind Dreams, and Gwyneth Johnson, the CEO. Thank you. Welcome, welcome. I'm excited to have you and to have this conversation. So I wanted to first start by you all kind of sharing a little bit about your background. Um, And for you, PK, what brought you to the point where you felt like this needed to be founded? What what meat were you needing um, when you founded Second Wind Dreams? Well, first of all, Michelle, thank you for having us as your inaugural group. Um, We are thrilled to be here and can't believe how lucky we are to be a part of this new beginning. So thank you very much for that opportunity. Um, I guess uh, the way for me to start is I'm a clinical psychologist with a specialty in geriatrics. I started out doing assessments on um, elders in long-term care those who were having behavioral difficulties and adjustment problems. So that gave me a nice uh, toe in the sand Mm -hmm. or toe in the pool to uh, get me on the bottom rung of understanding at the feet of the most brilliant people who are living with dementia in long-term care. So that's where I cut my teeth, basically. But one of the reasons, the need that I felt that had to happen was the fact that, you know, so often when we place someone in long-term care, forget they're still in our society. 
and mm-hmm. forget that they're still human beings who led an unbelievably full life and ha- still have things that they want to do. So I uh, learned through the psychological evaluations I was doing that um, most of the elders I worked with were people who still wanted to do some incredible things and uh, nobody was able to do that for them. I mean, after all, they were in long-term care staff does all they can to care for them. But the bottom line is, if they want to go to Walmart and get a belt, they're not able to do that. So um, I began thinking about, so what can we do to try to meet that need? Um, Psychologically, when we are in an institutional setting so frequently, or even at home, we find ourselves, our worlds getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And when that happens, it's uh, important for us to try to pierce that loneliness and that isolation. So uh, I felt strongly that when I founded Second Wind, that we needed to be a grassroots organization so that um, the outside community around the long-term care uh, facility made the dreams come true. So in other words, uh, we weren't really doing that much except connecting people and making contacts and discovering dreams. And uh, the general public goes about the business of making those dreams come true. So you see there's a synergy involved in reacquainting, if you will, our older adults in a frail situation with the people in the community who can make their dreams come true. Right, right. You know, and that's such a great point that we think people have always been where they are right now. So I'm 75, 80, 85 years old, but I was 20 or 25 or 30 at one time and I had a career and a life. And so it's so important that we remember that they had this whole span of of information and wisdom that they can give to us and not just where they are in that moment. Um, And then making those dreams come true are just awesome. That's wonderful. And Gwyneth can tell you um, that from the long-term care setting, which I cut my teeth on, how we have grown to what we do now. Right. So, the, and that was my, my question for Gwen up next. Then if you could share a little bit about your background and then kind of explain what you're doing now, the programs that you have that have made PK's foundation a reality at this point. Well, PK made the, made her foundation a reality. That wasn't, <laughs> um, I, I came from a, long-term care, but community-based long-term care background. So older adults who are aging in place in their homes and apartments um, without uh, traditional medical care around them. And so the individuals who are their caregivers may still be paid caregivers, but they're individuals who come in for part of the day or several times a week or family members or neighbors and friends. Um, It's a different setting. Um, The isolation is still real. And, um, you know, we we hear with Meals on Wheels that that the volunteer driver, the staff driver who brings that meal, maybe the only person that that individual gets to see. Mm -hmm. So training those people who have the most contact with our elders to better communicate, to understand that they are still vibrant parts of society. 
um, I don't care how old I am, I am going to want to do things. Right. And it may be that I just need a new coloring book to come to my house because I've filled in everything else, but I'm going to want to do things. Um, right. Or it may be that I want to plant a garden and I could do that in a small box next to me rather than having it in the yard. But there are ways to connect with our elders like that. Um, we have focused our programming, the Dreams program, which PK started, um, our virtual dementia tour, which we will talk about some as well, creates understanding. And then other programs that we have brought on recently allow us to have a better understanding of communication and barriers to communication. Because how we interact with someone absolutely sets the tone for us, but more importantly, them. Being able to understand if they don't respond right away or if they recoil from us, what does that level of communication mean? And how do we better provide care or just socialization around that communication barrier? And, you know, I think for the caregiver, it's so important to have that education of how to react, how to respond, how to prevent triggers from happening, whether you're a professional caregiver or a family caregiver as well. And so let's talk a little bit about the definition of caregiver, because I feel like sometimes if we don't admit that's who we are, then we don't treat ourselves with the support that we need and give ourselves the resources. So how would you define a family caregiver? A family caregiver could be someone who actually is related, but it's someone who non-professionally provides the needs of an individual on a daily basis. Um, Now, sometimes work may be in the way of of it being daily, but um, someone who supports the activities of daily living, supports basic needs, um, changing, bathing, um, getting to the restroom when you need to, basic pieces of our lives that we take for granted. And it may have to happen just simply out of need and without the training that we would provide our professionals. Unfortunately, without that training, we don't often allow the the family caregiver or the non-professional caregiver to keep their own identity safe, um, take care of themselves, and to eliminate some of the frustrations that all of us would feel in that situation. Um, So the training is really important. That individual could be your next door neighbor. It could be your best friend who lives three doors down. It could be your daughter who lives on the other side of town, or it could be a spouse or someone who resides with you. Um, It could be someone across the country who is managing professionals to come into the house. Um, That adds a whole nother level of, of stress and, and um, sometimes frustration, sometimes joy when you get the absolutely right group of people to come in and take care of your loved one too. And you know, I, I, I think I think that's a, a great point because um, sometimes if, if we're not there all day or they don't live with us then we don't feel like we're really a caregiver. If I go to the grocery store for you every week, um, if I come and take you to your doctor's appointment, you're all part of that family caregiver community. And so once we recognize who we are and what we do, then we can treat ourselves that way and arm ourselves to take care of ourselves and our loved one as well. PK, I think you're going to say something. 
Oh, no, Gwyneth, I, I agree right on. Um, I think, too, that so often we don't admit we're caregivers because um, to many of us, we feel like we are just doing what we should do as uh, the daughter or the son or the next door neighbor. Um, and I think embracing that new role is one of the things that we have to help families uh, do. Um, some of them, I know, uh, don't want to say that they're a caregiver. They feel like that is um, uh, almost like an admission of something they're not willing to embrace. So I think being cognizant of this, uh, to Gwyneth's point, this communication uh, issue is, um, is super important. So for those that aren't admitting that they're caregivers, um, I think that we have a responsibility to them to uh, approach this at their uh, communication level, which means a lot of the training has to be uh, more about uh, caring for your father or mother um, or uh, uh, your your role in caring for your parent. Um, I think uh, I have a next door neighbor here who uh, I've been helping out a little bit and uh, her mother is a hundred. And she has dementia. She's lived with her daughter for, uh, I guess, probably 15 years. And um, my friend says, but I'm not a caregiver. I'm doing what a daughter should do. I'm not, I, I take her to the doctor. Yes. I do. So even getting her to embrace that was right. hard. Right. And, you know, so for our listeners, I'm sure you know someone who we just described, they're not admitting to be a caregiver. So it's still early enough in the conversation for you to reach out to them now and have them to turn on the podcast, because we want to share this information to all those who are impacted, right? Um, it brings value to your life. It brings value to your relationship with the person that you're caring for, because sometimes when you're so stressed out, you can't appreciate that love between the mother and the son or the daughter and the father because you're so busy working and doing all the technical skills. So you have the opportunity to go ahead and reach out to them and ask them to tune into the podcast. Um, and, you know, I know that each of you understand the personal portion of being a family caregiver. So can each of you kind of tell me how your work has been impacted by your personal journey as a caregiver? I see a smile there going up. I think I touched something. <laughs> well, um, the trip I just returned from was to help my mother negotiate um, some things that are going on in her life and the life of her sister and um, working through that and seeing my mom frustrated with what can happen and what can't happen um, with maybe the need for, for a smaller house um, just you think you're an adult yes. no you are an adult you get to this point and you're like this is adulthood well adulthood continues right. and adulthood changes and and too often we feel like we're diminishing instead of continuing to progress through our journey mm -hmm. and I think that's that's difficult to watch a loved one go through um, and, and how we consider our parents 
Um, I think that's difficult to watch someone go through. So as a professional, um, um, as we work with training caregivers, I think that would be one of the things that I carry forward is my empathy and understanding for, for their journey as well as the loved one they care for. Um, and too often we forget that. Absolutely. So Gwyneth just hit the mother load. Our whole organization and what we try to help people understand is empathy. And I think so often, excuse me, as caregivers, we find ourselves losing that empathy gene that has to be cultivated. Um, When it comes to caregiving, I'm uh, my 94 year old father lives with us. He has vascular dementia which means he does some things very, very well and some things um, uh, he struggles with. And so uh, he's a World War II veteran. He's pretty set in his ways, as a lot of us are already are. But the struggle for me continues to be placing myself in my dad's position before I make any decisions Um thinking to myself, right now he's running a fever, he has pneumonia, we're keeping him at home because putting him in the hospital right now would be devastating for him. And that's another thing that the medical community is having trouble with. Us us caregivers, is that the correct vernacular? Caregivers, let's just leave the us out. Caregivers find themselves in an untenable situation when doctors say something flippantly like, well, just take them to the emergency room. I'm sorry. But when someone is 94 with already high blood pressure, already sick, you don't just quote, take them to the emergency room. They're going to run every test in the world. It's going to take hours for them to get in there. The agitation for a person with dementia is horrible. Even in a doctor's office, waiting room is horrible. So, the medical community is going to have to start doing a better job of being empathic to us as caregivers. Um, I don't want to constantly be told that I am doing something that's not good for my father. So putting myself in dad's shoes constantly is something that caregivers have to be in mind. I'm working with a family right now whose uh, father has dementia and they are making decisions about his placement in an assisted living for memory care. Well, the son doesn't want to do it. He wants the daughter, his sister, to stay there and care for him all the time rather than putting him in an assisted living. Well, now, wait a minute. Let's just stop right here. What does that guy want to do. Mm-hmm. He has dementia. He's not able to tell one way or the other, but for his functional ability, what is the best alternative? Not what's best for the son or what's best for the daughter and what's convenient, but for this gentleman in the stage of dementia he's living in now, do we want to keep him isolated and home like that? Do we want him with other people? What cognitively can he handle? Uh, what does change look like to him? How has he handled change in the past? See, those kinds of things are psychologically windows, no matter what level of dementia a person has, 
into their ability to handle change. So um, from, from my perspective as a caregiver, while the journey with dad is tough, um, I've had to crank back on some work that I enjoy doing. Um, uh, my husband and I don't get to travel uh, at all. Um, we are looking at alternatives for that. And I know caregivers out there right now, I know you're on this podcast and you're experiencing exactly the same thing. And I can tell you that I've learned some shortcuts, not in care, but shortcuts that, um, Gwyneth and I are going to be happy to share by the end of the podcast to, to help out in these situations, but Keep in mind that a podcast like this is going to be one of the best things that you as a caregiver can do to be able to listen to other people who are experiencing the exact same thing and garnering a little bit from what they're dealing with and using it at your will. Absolutely. And, and, you know, PK, I think one of the things that you, you just spoke about that's so key is that to empathize, you don't only put yourself in that situation of how you would handle it, but how your loved one would handle it, right? So we have to really think outside of the box of, if I were dad, this is what I would want to do. No, it's what would dad want to do in this situation? And so that's That's sometimes very hard to do. Um, And that's true empathy to be able to resolve a problem just as they did, whether you agree with it or not. Right. Right. And so that, that is, that is so key. Um, So we're all going through this pandemic journey Uh, while some things have improved, it's still here. And so it impacts every aspect of everyone's life. Of course, caregivers, how they go, how they come and also us as organizations. So can you share with me, um, either one, how the pandemic has impacted your current programming um, and and affected your your ability to be able to support your vision? Well, I, I can start by saying that Gwyneth has, the CEO of Second Wind Dreams, has done an incredible job of getting our organization through the pandemic. Um, Times were rough and she soldiered through. She created diversity in our company so that we are less reliant on having to be in front of an elder at that moment. And, And I think a lot of nonprofits, especially those in caregiving, have had to take a beat and step back. And Gwyneth has uh, created a way through all of this. And um, I'm going to turn that over to her with with hats off. Okay. Thank you, PK. (laughs) That was a little overwhelming there, but but I appreciate you. Um, we, We took a long look at what we were doing and what we continue to do. The virtual dementia tour remains something that must be physically experienced. Mm. Um, And we won't change that. Mm. It is critical that a person literally walk in the shoes uh, of someone living with dementia to have that experience. And that is our most powerful tool that we have. In the interim, we created a number of web opportunities 
uh, or web-based opportunities so that we could continue to touch people, we could continue to help with long-term care, whether it's in an elder care community or in someone's home. We needed to be able to support the community that way. Um, PK did a, a number of visual imagery activities, which are very powerful. And you close your eyes and in your mind, take that journey. And then we've coupled that with live debrief. So we could do a, a Zoom debrief mm-hmm. with a visual imagery activity so that we can still have the impact, still simulate, even though it's not an actual walk in someone's shoes, what it is like to live with dementia or what it is like to live with dementia during a specific scenario. And the first one, and one of the most powerful in my opinion, is the moving day. Imagine being someone who has been very comfortable in their own home, in their own chair, and suddenly their kids come in their loved ones come in and everything's shifting and you don't know why. So PK walks us through that. We've partnered with other organizations to ensure that we're expanding our reach and that the community-based long-term care providers also have access to us. Mm -hmm. Uh, We did a virtual conference last year. We do uh, roundtables throughout the year, specifically for caregivers, so that we can get together and talk about different concepts. Um, And, you know, everyone's talking. And and that's the most important thing is to keep us all connected, to keep the education going, and to come back to our roots and to our programs the way they were designed, Mm -hmm. specifically the virtual dementia tour, as soon as we can be together. And, you know, um, I've attended some of the roundtables, and I think that they're awesome because it's not just in Georgia, but it's it's national. And so regardless of where you are in our country, we're experiencing these same issues, right? And so having those conversations with professionals, but also caregivers are on there. And so we get the firsthand experience of what they're going through. And what I love about it, it is also we're offering them solutions right away as well, right? So we want to be able to hear what their concerns are, but also offer them solutions. And I think that's a big part of what you all are doing as part of your virtual dementia tours as well. So I'm glad that you aren't changing anything in that. I'm glad that you're able to give some type of visual that gives them a lead into what they can experience in person when they actually get to do the virtual dementia tour, because it is absolutely a life-changing experience. Um, But I will say one thing about the pandemic has opened our minds to the use of technology and now caregivers who were normally not able to go out to do anything can at least log on into their computers and turn on a Zoom and listen to a webinar or conference that they wouldn't have never gotten before. So I'm wondering if you've seen an increase in the activity because of technology and the Zoom and the webinars. Absolutely. And I should have said too before that the the DREAMS program um, has seen a shift, but it has seen an increase in activity. So we've had over five, almost 700 individuals and groups of individuals volunteer to do over 20,000 cards during 2020, not only to our elders, but also to those who care for them and, and who stayed in nursing homes 
I, you know, we saw people with tents in the break room um, so that they didn't have to go home so that they could provide that level of care. So that's definitely changed. Um, we are able with a round table, you know, I plug this thing in, log on to Zoom, and then there's 60 people in front of me and they're talking to each other. I'm just a facilitator. So technology has allowed us to reach people we wouldn't have had conversations with. Um, and I'm hoping that we can take the best of both worlds, this, this increased connectivity that we've had and what we had before when we could sit down together. I do think it's important that we advocate for better broadband for rural areas so that we're not leaving rural caregivers out. Yes, um, That's a really important part of, of, of the whole spectrum. And often there are fewer care providers in rural areas as well. So they have that need for that e-based training more than anyone. Absolutely. Now, families on the opposite end of the spectrum, um, families on the call, uh, listen, these your loved ones living with dementia will not do well um, with technology. And not only that, but let's look at this in a twofold way. Um, the uh, telehealth, where you put your loved one on a video call with a doctor, the, do the doctor will not get a good sense of your loved one. And not only that, but your loved one can get very agitated, not being able to understand what the heck this is all about. Um, on top of that, if you have to do telehealth with a loved one with dementia, uh, do all this stuff in advance. Go ahead and get their weight, take their temperature, check their blood pressure, do all of that because the doctor can't do that on the phone and it'll be invaluable um, information. But most of all, from your loved one's perspective with dementia, it's always going to be better to take them to a doctor's office with the understanding families that um, your loved one is always going to seem better in a doctor's office than he is or she is when they're at home. That change in the environment creates a further firing of the neurotransmitters in the brain. So that causes them to be a bit more alert than they are at home. And uh, the doctors sometimes will look at you like, uh, I don't see what's happening here. So you have to be a good detective. You have to give good documentation to the doctor um, while the doctor gets a good look at your, at your loved one. Right. Also, families, if you tried to do Zoom calls with people with dementia, I don't know that I've seen my dad so agitated. Um, everybody's on the call at once. He doesn't know who to focus on. Um, he can't tell where the voice is coming from. So he doesn't know what to look at or hear. Um, so uh, just be aware if you're going to do a Zoom call and you're a long distance caregiver, just just let it be one person at a time and um, don't don't get the whole shooting match in there. Um, that, that will help uh, make that phone call a little better for both you and your loved one. Right. Wow, those are all great points, PK. Just, just 
a wealth of information for people because we feel like when we expose them to all our families on a party on Zoom or, you know, we're getting together that it's a great remembrance for them. It's a great time, but it can be very overstimulating for them. And technology, if you're not familiar with it and generally they're not, it's very confusing. So, um, you know, the tunnel vision, they can't see that there's a speaker over here. All they see these voices just coming out of anywhere. So those are excellent points. What I want to do now is just take a short break, allow for our sponsor to provide their information. And on the other side of this, I want to talk a little bit more about the virtual uh, tours and that experience, um, the dreams that you're providing, um, and then continue to get those great points that you're giving to our audience. So we'll be right back. To be able to go back to the movies. Introduce my family to my new girlfriend. For my husband, who's been a chronic asthmatic his whole life. So I can visit friends in a different state. So I can take my granddaughter out to the park again. So that I can hug my 85-year-old grandma again. We each have our own reason for why we're getting vaccinated against COVID-19. What will yours be? Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org for information on the COVID-19 vaccines. It's up to you. Brought to you by the Ad Council. So welcome back. Um, you know, we've been having an excellent conversation with Second Wind Dreams, PK and Gwyneth. So I want to restart the conversation talking about um, what was so impactful to me when I experienced the virtual dementia tour. Um, I didn't know what to expect, and I won't tell a whole lot about the details, <laughs> but I can say that it is impactful and life-changing once you take this tour. And so I would like for PK and Gwen just to kind of share some of the reactions that you often see that families experience with this tour. And if there is a family experience that just really stood out to you in the past. I think this needs to go to PK because we rarely have the opportunity to have the creator of a program with us. <laughs> oh, you're very, you're very kind. Um, well, I think the biggest response from families and anyone is I had no idea. Um, and I think that never gets old for any of us who conduct the VDT, because what that tells us is we have now opened the door for empathic care. That person has literally walked in the shoes of someone living with this horrible disease. Um, <clears throat> when I created it, I shot for mid-stage dementia. So that is the stage that most families have the greatest difficulty with. Uh, I'm not minimizing any other stage. I'm just saying that that's the one where care decisions are usually made. Placement decisions are usually made. Um, <clears throat> the person's usually still ambulatory and conversant. So when I researched how the brain dies, um, I took uh, that information and uh, figured out what the behavioral output of that information would be in a human being, and then uh, created a way to simulate what that would be for a normal brain. Um, so when a person goes through the VDT, it is an authentic, implosive experience. Um, it's um, families also come out saying things like, oh, well, that's why my mother did that. I felt myself doing the exact same thing. Um, or they'll come out and they're moved. They're emotionally moved. And, um, and 
I've had family members say things like, I've got to get home. I have a lot of apologies to make. Um, I think I, I find that if we try to minimize that kind of response, it is detrimental to the growth of the caregiver. Mm -hmm. Um, that caregiver has experienced a life altering event that relays directly to their loved one. Mm -hmm. And if we minimize it by saying, oh, well, you know, it's, it's okay. You're going to do better now. I let them sit with it for a little while because it is important for them to understand that level of difficulty that their loved ones are going through every moment of every day and um, not as a punishment, but as an eye-opening, here's what it is. You know, when you think about it, um, we've all been kids, so we get it. We've been teenagers. We get it. We've had them. We get it. We've been adults. We get it. We've lost jobs. We get it. We get all that, but nobody going through the VDT has actually had dementia. That's what we're trying to open the door to. So the range of responses is very wide. And, you know, I can tell you that each time, and thank you so much for being there for all of our family caregiver expos, and each time the reactions are dressed very emotional, more than likely. They, again, they had no idea. And we just run out of time for people to have that experience because once they step in there and people share their experience, people want more to really understand. And they do want to empathize with their family members and really get it. And I think the VDT does a good job of doing that. And so the other thing I wanted to talk a bit about a little bit are the dreams. So can you just share kind of what dreams that you're trying to fulfill for some of, some of these families? I think it's um, important to remember that we're not, we have no idea what the dreams are going to be when we walk in. Um, Recently, we've had some issues trying to tell somebody there aren't categories of dreams. Now we've categorized them, but you don't say, well, here's this, we've got sky driving dreams. We've got race car dreams. It's not that it's going in and having a conversation with the person. And not asking them what their dream is, talking with them. The dream discovery guide that PK's created really helps us to delve in and ask some important questions about who the person is, but subtly without saying, who are you? Um, to find out what it is, what, are, what, what have been my interests? What have been my desires? Is there a day that I just remember more than anything? Would that be worth recreating? Um, So dream discovery is the most important part because it's the conversation. It's getting to know that person. Uh, we, We don't go in with a preconceived notion of a type of dream. And it really could be anything. I mean, it could be a voice operated remote control. It could be an afternoon with kittens. It could be skydiving. It could be an iPad conversation with my daughter who I haven't seen in two years. Mm -hmm. It could be a coloring book. It it could be anything. And you just have to, you have to stop and you have to listen. 
And then we rally the community to make that happen. So whether it's donations through the website or, or those lovely human beings who donate to us every single month to make sure that these happen, or, or whether it's a group here in Atlanta, we have a Jack and Jill group that does the fundraising for a nursing home. Awesome, awesome. All of those things. Yes, wonderful. You know, I, I we're excited to participate. We do what we try, we can, and you support do. your dreams. We, we think it's an excellent organization. And so um, I could talk to you all all day long. And so what I wanna do is just to kind of start wrapping up a little bit, but before we go, um, as we talked about, I like to give tangible things that our listeners can actually do. So I'm going to ask you to give two actions that you recommend our family caregivers take immediately after listening to this podcast. And PK, I'll start with you. Oh, well, okay. I think uh, I don't care what degree you have or how accomplished you are at anything. Stop and pay attention to what your loved one really needs. It's not your agenda, it's their agenda. So today, I would ask that whatever kind of caregiver you are, and Gwyneth listed pretty much the the gambit of caregiver, stop, sit for five minutes, and try to place yourself in your loved one's thoughts, shoes, because you as a caregiver know more about your loved one than anybody else does. And you are now your loved one's only anchor if they have dementia. So that's number one that I would tell you to do. Uh, Number two, I would mention that I have learned a new lesson. For those of us caring for a loved one um, that are over 60, 65, and I'm on the north side of 60, you have to have your own doctor's appointments, right? I mean, you got to take care of yourself, do the best you can. Well, I found out that a lot of doctors are cool with you and your loved one having an appointment at the same time, like 15 minutes for him and 15 minutes. Oh, wow. So that I'm not going to my cardiologist and then taking him to my cardiologist for him or the pain doctor or, um, you know, physicals and things like that. Get them done together. And um, it's it's made a huge difference. Um, And I'll just tell you in the next three weeks. We, Dad and I, have six doctor's appointments in three weeks. Now, imagine if I had to do those separately. Mm-hmm. So, for those of you older caregivers, um, I love you. Cut <laughs> <laughs> down on your time. By awesome. Great, 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 great. Thank you. Those are great suggestions. Uh, Pete, uh, Gwyneth? Of course, I would be remiss if I didn't say check out the Second Wind Dreams website. Um, We not only have our programs there, but we have opportunities for caregivers to reach out and talk with other types of resources. Our roundtables have been co-sponsored by AARP Georgia. 
Um, the Alzheimer's Association shows up there and shares their resources. So we want to be a hub of information for our caregivers, for our loved ones living with dementia, and uh, for those aging in general. Um, so please have a look there. And if you're not finding what you look, what you what you need, give us a call. Our numbers there, our info um, email line is there, and we will respond to you. So while we're here, would you like to provide the best number for them? You can just go ahead and get the number in the website um, for them. Mm -hmm. The website is www.secondwind.org. Add on to what we know. We just kind of, you kind of mentioned, which I think are great points. Um, Going ahead and paying attention to your loved one and really sitting down and identifying their needs. And I didn't know about the co-appointments there, PK. I thought that was great information. I think that's really important because we always tell our caregivers, our family caregivers, or just caregivers in general, that you have to take care of yourself in order to take care of your loved one. Too often we're finding our caregivers are passing before their loved ones because they just burnt themselves out and haven't taken care of themselves. So those are such great points. And I'm going to let Gwyneth go ahead and give the phone number again for Second Wind Dreams. Absolutely. It is 678-624-0500. And um, that is our general line. So no matter who you need to talk with in the organization, we will get you there. Awesome. Well, I cannot express enough gratitude for you all joining us for our first episode of the Call for Caring on Purpose podcast. It's been a great conversation, great information, and I'm sure our listeners have taken away things that they can actually use today. Um, And so for our listeners, we want to remind you that our 2021 Atlanta Family Caregiver Expo is on November 20th. Um, You can find more information at callforcaring.org. That's callforcaring.org. The Call for Caring on Purpose podcast is part of the Finding Your Forte channel on Up To Me Radio. And that's www.up2meradio.com. It can also be heard via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. So we hope that today's Call for Caring on Purpose podcast has met the goal to educate, elevate, and empower caregivers during their caregiver journey. Thank you.